Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm John. I'm Charles. I'm Audie. And I'm Seth. And I'm Jenna. And I'm Linda. And we're welcoming uh, Jenna and Linda with us uh, for the first time this this episode uh, to get a little more female perspective and input into the show and uh, help us talk about some exciting things going on in sci-fi. So welcome to both of you guys for joining us. Welcome. Yay! Yay. <laughs> there, was, there was much rejoicing. And the crowd went wild. <sighs> Except honest rejoicing as opposed to it's yes. the eating of... Robin's minstrels. Yes. Probably. I was waiting for the flags. <laughs> yeah. No minstrels? No, no minstrels. No minstrels Maybe next episode we can get some minstrels. So the uh, female perspective, that mean we're always wrong? <laughs> Just you. <laughs> Most, mostly you. Because yeah. you never say anything. Uh, so we have to assume you're wrong. Uh, that yeah, I can that'll work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So um, I think uh, we promised our listeners that this show we would uh, talk about NEBCON and our recent experiences there at NEBCON. Now, let's see. I think, let's see. Linda, you were there. Mm-hmm. I was there. Jenna, did you go? Uh, not this year, but I did last year. Okay. And Seth, this was? Yeah, this was my first year in a long while. Okay. All right. And John, you go regularly? Uh, uh, yes. For the last couple of years, I have. Yes. Okay. And Charles, this was your first, first trip? First time. No longer a virgin. Good. All right, and I think this was my first time too. I mean, I had been once before, but just kind of popped in and popped out, so I didn't really hang around too long. But uh, anyway, uh, what was everyone's impression of uh, NipCon? Well, I liked it, but you know that—that that is. Your, oh. What was your favorite part? What did you like the most? I I I, I like the creativity. I like the energy. The uh, cosplay. The cosplay, yes, and what it's like. I look at the cosplay now. And I look at what it took to get them there and all the things they had to do. And it's mm-hmm. like, like. You mean from the perspective of the cosplayers or from the cos- perspective of the show, the con? Uh, organizers. The cosplayers themselves. Okay. How, what they had to do to do what they did. And now mm-hmm. I, I understand a number of things. Like, like I can look in an outfit and say, that person spent hours crafting foam with a, ha- a hairdryer. Mm hmm. Yeah. To get that shape, to get this done, and I, I truly appreciate it for what it is. And so that's having... the nugget of gold for Omaha, <clears throat> is that in spite of our size, the amount of talent here is actually makes it pretty competitive, I would think. Because you, you, you go to a small local event like this, or Okamakan, and you, you get, a, there's a lot of really good work to look at. And, and between here and Lincoln. Yeah. yeah, I was surprised at how many people were actually there. And yeah. how many people that... You know, I, <clears throat> Linda and I tend to go to a lot of the local cons around town, but there were a lot of people, the majority of people there I didn't recognize. Mm-hmm. So they were unique to this type of con, I think, and which was interesting. Yeah, just the complexity of some of the outfits there. I saw someone in an eight-foot 
or a seven to eight foot Iron Giant costume. Yeah. Just unbelievable. And and they had to suffer while wearing that oh, because it's hot. It's got to be hot, yeah, hot, it was hot in, there. in there. Yeah. It's, yeah. I just know it is, but I think, I think she's right. I I think that we have an overwhelming abundance of talent and creativity here. It's like, I mean, like we went to Teslacon. Yes. And that was interesting. And we'll get more into that in a little bit. Sure. But their creativity was definitely far behind and the maybe anime, the Nebcon people. But Sorry. No, go ahead. No, just jump right in. I was just going <laughs> to maybe it's actually Omaha's size that allows that community to to cultivate to the level that we see it. Because if you think about it, Omaha is big enough to where you get a lot of diverse people and interests, but it's still small enough that we find each other mm -hmm. uh, in the community. There's a lot of circles that start to overlap uh, because there, there's an, a Facebook group called the Omaha Sexy Nerd Society. And you look at how many people are on it and how many people start to see each other's faces and know the same people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very easy to connect and find that mutual support where if you're in too large of a city, you're a weirdo. Because it, you're not. Mm. There's interest in other things, and if you're, you're in too small of a town, there's not enough. No, there's not enough, and mm -hmm. then you're still the weirdo. Well, right. we're we're all still kind of weirdos here, but yeah, I'm <laughs> we're, we're, we're weirdos who found each other. So, right. yeah, you're not rich enough <laughs> to be eccentric. Well, Charles, what do you? Th I'm interested in your perspective because this was your first trip. Was my first. Yeah, no, I I tell you what, I was blown away <clears throat> by the crowd size. It was packed. Yeah. Um, I sat through a few lectures. I really enjoyed those. Yeah. Um, just Anyone particularly memorable for you? Or? Oh, I'm not going to remember the speaker's name or anything, but I no. sat through some stuff on the anime. Yeah. And um, Learned a few new things. Yeah. Yeah. Some things I want to unlearn. <laughs> uh, but no, but, but there, was, there, were, there, were, there was quite a bit. There were some things about social cues in, in, in the older anime, evidently especially, that... People getting nosebleeds because they fell in love or whatever. And waifus. Don't yeah, waifus. About waifus. Yeah, I keep trying waifus. to forget about. I try to forget about the tentacles. <laughs> you, I, I didn't need that. Did you go to a panel on hentai? Did you make that mistake? <laughs> That's probably what it was. Yeah. That's uh, what um, we call poor life choices. <laughs> <laughs> when they when they said this one's in the motel across the street, I probably should have. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> did, did you bring your trench coat that day? <laughs> yeah. Where's trench yeah. coat and nothing else? Be, beware of any of the panels that are like 18 plus. Because oh, yeah. if you're not initiated into anime already, you're in for a ride, my friend. <laughs> yeah, you got to come mentally prepared. Yeah, well, well, so no, I think Adi's, Adi's now wanting to go next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just from our discussion here. Yeah, the 18 plus panels can be I am a definitely little different. <laughs> huh. Well... Probably was one of those. I just meandered. Well, no, not, I meandered in, and not yeah. at the time you were there, they wouldn't have done that. Uh, they would have done that at like twelve midnight on uh, oh, okay. the, the hentai panels, which the I, real, the, the real bad stuff. This year, in all fairness, none of them were labeled hentai panels. That's which has not always been true. Yeah, but yeah. But I think it's good to have. There's got to be room for discussion for things like that because a lot of the angles that they take in hentai are. There's there's culture there's things that if you aren't a little bit more educated about what goes on in Japan that you may miss, mm -hmm. it can tell you a lot. And I think, as a much more subdued culture, there's probably a lot of things that they have to get out somewhere. And if if you if they're able to do that through certain kinds of storytelling, 
and certain kinds of uh, animation. By mm-hmm. subdued, you mean repressed. I was trying. That, yeah. That's the word. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. The I, word. And I don't want to make it sound bad, but no. honestly, that's the that they are. They're extremely and, repressed. And I'm not, this is not like a blank slate approval for all hentai, because there are some things that go. Says the guy in Omaha. <laughs> but well, I mean, it's the United States is a very uh, is, society as well. I, I think Jenna might be signing up here as our anti expert on the show. <laughs> I, I would I, like to make that your official title. I admit anti master. <laughs> we, we've already got a title yes. for her on the website. Yes. So it is written, so shall it be done. So you're saying I need to update my resume? Yes. Mm hmm. <laughs> Because obviously I'm not going to have a job very long. No. <laughs> no. Uh, uh-huh. They also, they covered fan service. Yes. Which I, and there seemed to be a lot of, locally, people weren't too big of fans of fan service episodes. I don't know what fan service is. It's the bikini episode. There's always a beach episode, it seems uh, like, in anime where they go and. Yeah. Just for the, oh, just oh, to entertain a, the adolescent know, fans. Hot spring episode. Uh, basically, any time a uh, female character just randomly loses their shirt. Uh, okay. So like the real world then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, it seemed uh, like this year it seemed like the big, like the most of what I saw, like saw, I saw a lot of costumes, but uh, uh, My Hero Academia was, looked like it yeah. was the big show this year. It was the slave Leia of the year. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. It's like used to be co- uh, you go to cons and you'd see like hundreds of slave Leias, and it's changed. <laughs> like a few years ago, it was Deadpool's, and then mm-hmm. like last year was the Harley Quinn year. You yeah. can't get enough of those, but now, yeah, yeah. And this I, year is it's My Hero Academia. I, I'm sure that there were uh, Naruto years, which is another series. Yeah. Uh, it's like. Uh, if you follow anime, there's uh, a few big shows that are running at any given time, and I think My Hero Academia is the big one this time around. Like and five what's, years what's ago, that it was a big Bleach year. Yeah, so, yeah, Bleach was a good. Uh, My Hero Academia is uh, set in a world where about eighty percent of the people have some level of superpower, mm. and so, so called it quirks. I think. Yeah, they're, they're called quirks, and to uh, they have. Most people are just like normal people. Their quirks aren't too strong, but then you've got the villains, and to combat that, their society has basically uh, government-sponsored heroes, or not, they're called pro-heroes, and so there's a training program for that, and the main character, Deku, uh, wants to basically be the next number one hero taking over for the current one, uh, whose name is All Might, who's the strongest. Mm-hmm. And Deku, actually, uh, throughout the first uh, arc, is being, well, throughout the whole series, he's being trained by All Might. Uh, so it's uh, it's got a lot of interesting, uh, interesting superpowers and different uh, things, some really good character building, and... Uh, good storytelling, and I think it's got a few interesting t- things to say about like society and like what would like why people become heroes or villains and now, motivations. As a follow up question, since I'm new to the whole anime thing, uh-huh. right? So you're watching anime now. Yeah. The anime is done in Japan. 
So it's yes. all in Japanese. Is it subtitled, or do they have an uh -huh. English you, you, language version? Or? Yeah, you can have. You've got uh, dubbed, which it has been uh, ha has a new uh, audio track done by English voice actors, or subtitled, which keeps oops, keeps the original Japanese voice actors, but has subtitling. Okay. And some of your older animes, uh, stuff from the '80s and whatnot, had will often have really terrible dubbing. Mm. So you almost always want to go with the subtitles with those. But a lot of the newer animes have really good voice actresses, or well, voice actors and actresses. Yeah, mm -hmm. a really popular company that does that is Funimation, which is based out of Dallas. Hold, hold okay. that one. Oh, okay, gotta, gotta give credit. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's interesting, because you know we're talking about a lot of the expression and types of anime that Japan has and some of it's a little risque for American audiences. So uh, I, one of my best friends from Dallas, because I went to grad school there, Felicia Angel, shout out. She's a <laughs> actress for Funimation mm -hmm. and she's taken a lot of time. And what was interesting, what brought a lot of opportunities for her, because she's in uh, My Hero Academia mm -hmm. and a lot of other animes, is that the conservatism of Texas, mm -hmm. they'd have certain roles and it was harder to find voice actresses willing to do certain things. And because she was willing to let the artistic expression go wherever and be this voice actress for these different types of animes that others might have had some discomfort doing, it helped her career. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that some of the actors in Texas, the voice actors in Texas, didn't want to do it because of the subject the content. content. Yeah. Okay, and well, so she was willing to do it, so she got more of the parts and became more yeah. famous. And, and as we're a not, okay. yeah, we're not talking like <clears throat> awful content no. here. We're, th this is right. Yeah, it's just uh, just maybe topic or subjects that people in Texas might be uncomfortable yeah. with because of their more strict Our religious specific adherence. type of conservatism. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. So, like, you have to think uh, already. Anime uh, has that reputation that it's all hentai or it's all porn. Yeah. And then you've got young people who don't want to upset mom and dad, who very mm -hmm. Christian, Texas, South, what will the neighbors think, mm -hmm. that type of thing. Yeah, and uh, they don't probably want to create any ruffled feathers that yeah, way. have a show where there might be other gods in there. Where and she's been doing it for years. So mm -hmm. she's worked very hard, developed. She worked for a voice acting development website and that type of uh, thing so she had she worked very hard to get to that level that she could do this type of work and be hmm. presented with those opportunities nice. huh. interesting yeah uh, yeah but uh, but that was a factor which i thought was really interesting when she was telling me about her experiences that being unwilling to do certain content limited because they're in texas wow gotcha but wow. yeah uh Modern, uh, one of the big things for Anime Nebraska is actually that they will bring in, they try and bring in a lot of popular voice actors. Like they those did this are their. Time. Uh, Vic? Uh, Mick? Mick? Mignolia? Mi Mignola? I, I, something like that. He played. Uh, Correct us in the comments. He, uh, He's pretty big. Yeah, Elric on um, FMA, Full okay. Metal Alchemist. Uh, he was Broly in Dragon Ball. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, no, he, and he was describing, actually, I went to a couple of his panels, and he, he's a very charismatic person. He mm -hmm. loves to talk. But he is also describing the, the process. He didn't go into the, uh, uh, the, 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 the shaming aspect of Texas culture, but he's in Texas, so he probably would understand exactly what you're saying, but, you know, he didn't want to say that. But. 
I think it's... See, that's why we love our show, because we'll say these things. <laughs> right. Our hentai master will be out there. <laughs> Goodbye, Claire Saying rating. the thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the... We missed you. you lasted. That will not get rid of the clear rating. But I have ideas. <laughs> I do. I to get ideas. rid of the no, clear rating? Yes, I do. I have, I have plans. Well, do we know uh, in Japan for public consumption, I mean, is this on TV? Oh, yeah. Or these... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so so they do actually have, well, you have to topics that we're not comfortable with. Comfortable it's with a, in, well, in parts of the United States. Have you States, ever seen anyway. a Japanese game show or a public oh, bathhouse? Well, I never know what's yeah. It's like they're so repressed that the, these the game shows, <laughs> the bathhouses right. are, are are definitely another thing. But it's like their game shows are are uh, drenched in humiliation, where they lose face, and it's like this is the only socially acceptable way that they can lose face, and it's like. So they revel in it. Oh. Uh, you'll go down the street in Tokyo, and there's machines that have, like, like panties in them that it, you can purchase. Pre-worn panties. Yes, it, pre-worn. And then <laughs> this is... This is it, it's no, a he's, he's right. very different <laughs> culture, though. So yeah. And symbolism I mean, is important. Yes. Symbol, a lot of it comes... It's symbolism. We, it means we have just found else. Audie's expertise. Uh, I, I think we have. Somebody else <laughs> told me about that, and I'm just... <laughs> no, it's true. I saw it on the web, so it must be real. Yeah, yes. well, there Vent, you go. You know, vending think, machines. Confirmed. So yeah. Josh Cato and Katie Otten went to Japan for their honeymoon, and Josh mentioned that's where that I actually. Heard mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, he mentioned that. So that, that's kind of amazing to me. That I mean, there's stuff that we, uh, as like from our culture, are like, boy, that's awful weird. And I'm sure there's stuff they come over here, and they're like. What no. in the seven hells <laughs> yeah. is wrong with It Makes these me people? think of that. Uh, Netflix has that new series out, the Kaminsky Method, oh, with Michael Douglas and a uh, Alan Arkin. That was hilarious. They just uh, so Michael Douglas plays a character where he's an acting instructor, and um, <laughs> he's talking at one point to Alan Arkin about um, the fact that he's got an import-export license because one of his ex-wives made extra money by selling her panties, used panties, and shipping them overseas, so he had to get an import-export license. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> one way to make money. Yeah. I have, a, I have a lot of students from other countries, and I ask them, what's the strangest things Americans do? And I'm sure they're, uh, they're like, editing out all whatever x-ray thoughts they have. But the number one thing is our portion sizes. They yes. like like Americans. You eat too much food. Yes. I mean, like way too much. It's like, yeah, it's like your one of your meals will feed the village. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like you're True. a fat, fat people, and yeah. it's like I have to agree with them. It's like we are a fat, fat people. Yeah, we mm -hmm. eat too much crap. Yeah, but I cannot. Uh, yeah, I cannot fault that logic. It is not no. your fault. Where are we it going for lunch today? What's that? Where are we going for lunch today? Redundancy and uh, violence is what I would hear a lot talking to international students mm -hmm. while in grad school. Mm -hmm. uh, like there will be hot cup or hot contents, like things that make yeah, yeah hot that, coffee, that make like perfect. things. Yeah. Beware of exposed wiring. You right, know, like right. things that should be obvious. Let's not hurt ourselves. It's very redundant. It'll be in a different ways mm -hmm. and that's to several prevent different lawsuits. Ways. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the yeah. fact that we have that culture versus yeah. they're like, what does? And then if you hurt yourself, yeah. that's on you. Yeah, yeah. right. Other yeah. cultures don't play that game. It's you mean like, they take responsibility for their actions instead of, well, mm -hmm. this, yeah. it didn't tell me it was going to be hot. 
Well, no, yeah. Well, if well, someone's we're a dumb happy culture. To, to pour no. coffee on themselves, exactly. then you're going to suffer. And it's like you can't litigate because you bought the coffee, and we understand, you understand that it's hot. And yet somebody so. somewhere won a lawsuit. Well, here. That's where we well, are. In, in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And it's well. like that's the kind of culture we have. So a, uh, the Canadian pointed the redundant out. part. Yeah, it's that's, it's not just that they're warning. It's it's that they said hot plus coffee. It's or? it yeah. It's like just the fact that I'll it's so obvious. Why yeah. are we spelling it out? Like the having to spell it out. Right, right. And then of course violence. The amount of violence we show versus lack of naked human body. Right. And a lot of places are they have much more restrictions on violence than, and, than how much sense. nudity. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're still peeling. Body, you had something. A comedian pointed out that all these ridiculous warning labels you find all over everything is because some idiot did it. Basically, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's no. that's a rule we have on the yeah. railroad that every every rule in the rule book is because somebody did something. Yeah. But Jenna, to your point, I and I that that has always kind of bothered me is that the fact that <clears throat> we're so um, against the showing of mm-hmm. love between people and all of that 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 entails. But yet, on the other hand, we have no problem showing violence, people's heads blown off or mm-hmm. hacked to bits or whatever, the violence in shows. No problem with the violence. But if you want to show two people, you know, in love and doing lovemaking or whatever, no. Or just being well. naked. There's yes. shame around right. the mm-hmm. body. Just like if just being naked that yeah. that is a problem yeah and, right. and you'll see the same kind of thing in anime actually where like almost any level of violence in show like depending on whatever age rating but you'll more often see crazy amounts of violence and you will see like the fan service but that's always done for like titillation and never mm-hmm. never and always associated almost always associated with shame on somebody's part yes uh, yes Usually the woman's, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, it's uh, when you when you're watching anime, you really get kind of getting a glimpse into like another culture, mm-hmm. and I mean, no matter what kind of story it is, it's they're telling it through their own cultural lens, and so you get different stories, different uh, characters than you would get with uh, uh, Western uh, type programs. And then I think the the complexity of the storyline is what's made it more and more uh, attractive to our generation and younger, which mm. is why you go to cons like these and you're seeing a growing amount of uh, cosplay of these different characters mm-hmm. and exposure. I mean, if you were to go... I uh, My first con was in 2008... And there wasn't nearly the amount of cosplay that mm-hmm. there was. Um, it, it, you were much more rare, and generally it was Amer- American uh, superheroes, DC and Marvel. There was one or two anime, but I was definitely the only one there dressed up in an anime character that I can recall. And the, uh, people wanted pictures, but there was also a lot of questions of who are you. Mm-hmm. Now, even if it's a an American con, such as San Diego Comic Con and Okama Con, things that seem to be more Amer- American media, there's a lot of anime mm. and oh. and gaming characters. A lot of you know characters that. Come but Japan. yeah, you did hit on a good point there about the stories in uh, the show. So most animes uh, will run for 
either one or two seasons, like have either either a 13 or 26 episode run in which they are telling one contained story, mm-hmm. as opposed to a lot of our uh, our shows like pre uh, pre in, uh, in the pre two early 2000s when we started to have these awesome connected story shows. Uh, so you wouldn't have like 10 seasons of disjointed unaf- episodes that unaffected each other. You just get one run mm-hmm. where you'd tell a story. And that's what really hit me with anime is like just the connected story. Like, I do tend to like, you know, in any of the shows, mm-hmm. TV shows that we watch is the connected, mm-hmm. you know, the season long or series long arc where you're following characters and each episode builds on the previous one. Well, yeah, we know. did talk about why that was so <clears throat> earlier. It's like, yes. like the original Star Trek was not like that, and it couldn't be because you couldn't miss an episode then, yeah. and you didn't have the ability to record it. Mm-hmm. So as our recording technology gets better, these connected mm-hmm. stories uh, became more prevalent. The ability to stream yeah. on demand. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and I mean, in sci-fi, I think... Uh, uh, Babylon 5 was the first show I ever saw that did that. And but yeah, the, you could but even some of the earlier anime but, had the um, longer. Well, yeah, that was that's yeah. been kind of the hallmark of anime yeah. is the like there were a few like some of them are not connected. I don't, but well, what is mm. Buffy in relation to Babylon cuz Buffy the Vampire Slayer too was, was one of the ca- one that had an over, yeah. They're over you know, the, far they're reaching the time period. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty like much the same time period. The that's height kind of the VCR when, culture. So, it, right. you know, it's like it, maybe not everyone had a VCR, but those who had money had a VCR. And, and that you was could the record audience. episodes yeah. then yeah. if you had the arcane knowledge. And not a lot of money. Most, mm-hmm. Many, many people had VCRs. Yeah. Well, yeah. By, by, the, by the late 90s. Yeah. And, you, and if you could figure out how to set the clock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the arcane knowledge required. Yes, yeah. you're, you're sitting there playing the timing game to like turn it to, to stop the recording when the commercial came on and then yes. start yeah. it just right yeah. the time. Right, right. So you had no commercials in your, in your recording? Make yeah. sure the kids didn't change the channel. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God, Dad, did you... Seriously, put a football game over my Buffy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Horrible. Well, listen, uh, this seems like a good spot as any to take a quick break. We did some interviews with some cosplayers at NebCon, as well as um, some of the people that are uh, in charge of running the con. And I think uh, we should take a little break here and show some of those interviews. So um, roll the tape. Smashing. <laughs> We're here with Emily Knob at Anime NebraskaCon, and uh, I guess would you just like to tell us a little bit about Anime NebraskaCon, what uh, you guys are about? Yeah, I can certainly do that for you. Anime NebraskaCon is a three-day convention here in Omaha, Nebraska. This is our 15th year running. Now, for those of you who are kind of confused, while anime is in our name, we are open to all sorts of fandoms. So if you like sci-fi, if you like pop culture stuff, you are more than welcome to come. You don't have to like anime to come here. We got video game fandoms. We got things from all over. So please, come despite whatever it is you like. There is something for everyone. All right, and uh, what sort of events, main draws do you have here? Well, we bring a lot of different voice actors in, as well as writers, animators. We try to get who we can. We also have cosplay artists that come. They come judge our costume contests. They also help our attendees and do some panels sometimes. We have over 150 different panels. Some are ran by our guests of honor, which would be the voice actors, the authors, the writers. And then we also have staff-ran panels, so if any of our staff members want to help run a panel, or fan-based panels, so attendee-ran. We also have a video game room, we have a board game room, we have 
a lot of different things for everyone to do. There's always something going on. We even have other conventions here promoting their cons. So that way if people in, during different dates of the year want to go do something else, they're more than welcome to do so. We also have dance parties on Friday and Saturday nights for everyone as well. Uh, what sort of attendance do you have here every year? Every, at least this year. Oh <laughs> uh, well, every year it's been kind of going up. In the most recent years, we've been kind of between six and seven thousand. We're hoping for over seven thousand, depending on the draws we get. A lot of people do come on Saturday, so about six, seven thousand ish. All right. Uh, one of the uh, the big events is the cosplay contest coming up here later on tonight. Can you tell us anything about that and what'll be? going on? Yes, our cosplay contest will be about 7 o'clock tonight here in the hotel and it's the biggest event at the con. Many attendees come and watch and the people that compete, they've built their costumes. There's a variety from beginner to master. We have judges that came to some of our cosplay guests and it's just really cool to see the craftsmanship. We also have skits as well where people do make cosplay skits. It's really entertaining and fun. We also have a swimsuit contest as well, where people make swimsuit versions of their characters if they wish. It's a really fun time. The cosplayers get to show their hard work. It's a wonderful way to, to compete and just have fun and enjoy what cosplay is. Alright, well we'll be there tonight. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Hello, this is Bill Newman. We're here at uh, Anime Nebraskan and uh, we're checking out uh, some of the excellent cosplay going on today. And uh, we have with us a uh, gentleman here, and uh, Steve, in a great cosplay. Steve, do you want to give us your name and tell us who you're cosplaying today? Sure. Uh, my name is Steve Bosserday, and I'm cosplaying as Geralt of Rivia from The Witcher. Okay. And I love those uh, contact eye, contact lens eyes you got in there. So where did those come from? Uh, online, overseas. Well, tell us about the rest of your costume here, how sure. you put it together and sourced it. Um, this was all purchased online, actually. Okay. So I lack skill and time to make my own. So I bought it. Now, where do you go for stuff like that? Uh, the suit I actually found on Amazon. Really? And gave them all the measurements, and they made it, shipped it, and it fits. Well, we're here at the convention registration area for Anime Nebraskan, and we have another cosplayer here. Uh, you want to tell us your name and uh, who you're cosplaying? Sure thing. Uh, so my name's Sorrow, and I'm cosplaying a crossover between two characters, Pira Nikos from the show Ruby, and Pira Midhead from Silent Hill 2. And uh, how did you uh, end up putting this all together? Is it all handmade? Yes, everything but the tights was handmade. And how did you make the headpiece? So the headpiece is made out of cardboard and paper mache, and I can see through it because I used something called mirrored window tint film. So it's a lightweight, one-way mirror film. Oh, is there any part of the convention you're looking forward to? Yes. Um, I'm actually entered in the cosplay contest in a few hours. Um, it's my very first cosplay contest ever. I'm super, super hyped. I'm Ron Wiseman, and I'm cosplaying the Riddler. And uh, did you make the whole outfit yourself? Well, with the help of my daughter, yeah. We kind of made it all ourselves. Now, are you cosplaying different things at the con today, or is uh, are you going to be doing this all week? This is the only one I'm doing today. Tomorrow I'll be doing Master Roshi. Now, what do you like about the con so far? Just all the different costumes. You come here and you can see just about any any costume from any show, from anime to cartoons to all the superhero movies, pretty much anything. Uh, hi there, I'm Danny Wen. I'm actually cosplaying a historical figure, uh, Amakusa Shiro Tokisada from Japan. Uh, he's from the Fate series, but Fate Apocrypha specifically. 
Well, it's a great cosplay. So did you make all of this yourself? No, actually, I, uh, I commissioned this from, through a friend, and she directed me through one of her uh, contacts. So I just gave them the, my measurements, and, and I got this. Now, are you going to enter into the costume contest? Uh, I'm not really professional in that matter, but uh, I know a lot of my friends that actually do participate in the costume contest. So you'll probably be watching it then tonight. Yes. My name is Skyler, and I'm cosplaying as Connor, who is an android from the video game Detroit Become Human. Oh, okay. Now, how did you put the costume together? So most of it was pre-purchased. I bought the jacket by itself, and it came with some LEDs. Uh, so the triangle, the armband, I've got LEDs on the back. All of that came with it. So just kind of bought the jacket by itself. Then the light-up headpiece is a separate piece. It's an LED, and it changes color as well, if I can find my button for it. I've been here every year for the past about eight years or so, so a veteran. Now, what do you like most about it? What keeps bringing you back? It's just a very unique atmosphere where everybody's in costumes. You see characters that you recognize. You make a connection with people you've never met before. And even though they're strangers, you kind of have like a friendship, kinship kind of feeling with them. So even if there's nothing to do, you're still having a good time because of the friendships that you're making. I'm Ashley, and I'm being Deku from My Hero Academia. And I'm Lauren, and I'm doing a female version of All Might in the same show. He's really a guy. Sorry. Now, why that show? What do you like about that show that makes you cut? Um, I like. I'm a huge Marvel girl, so I've always liked superheroes, and I also just like strong characters that kind of have to reach from the bottom to the top. And Deku's pretty had it pretty rough, so he's really relatable, and he's a lot of fun. Um, for me, I actually cosplay a few characters from that show uh, because the show is absolutely incredible. It's super empowering and lightning. It's you know like every anime where the beginning episode you're like, how are the heroes ever going to overcome this? And then they end up doing it every single time. And this show, it, it's really ways that surprise you every time. So it's now, what do you like most about Anime Nebraska? What brings you back? Oh, the people, 100%. I, I met so many people last year. Everyone's super nice and friendly. If you're wearing a costume that's from a show that they've seen, recognized, or they're from too, they're like, can I hug you? Like, so excited. And they remember you. They follow you. We network, like, through social media and stuff, so we stay in touch. And then this is the one time where, you know, out of, like, once or twice a year, where we all get back together for, like, a big reunion party. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I love the community here. And I also like the cosplay contest. Last year was my first year, like I said, and I was really impressed by the way costume contest ran. And so this year, my name is Brittany Gore, or Buttery Rose Cosplay on Facebook, and I am Sylvanas Windrunner, War Chief of the Horde from World of Warcraft. Very nice cosplay. Now, can you tell me about the work that went into the costume? The entire costume is made completely out of EVA foam, other than the uh, chainmail print leggings and the leather corset, which are from other builds that I had here. Um, it took me roughly about 150 to 200 hours over the course of two months uh, during my free time to build this. And what brings you back every year to Anime Nebraska? Most of it is my friends. Uh, I like seeing them and what they've done and just hanging out with them and getting an opportunity to actually get out of the house, go out, have some ramen, eat some sushi, and just BS the whole time. Uh, I'm Tyler. I'm a Spartan from Halo. I'm Jesse, and I'm a Red Mage from Final Fantasy XIV. And uh, tell me a little bit about your costumes. How'd you put it all together? Where'd you source the material? Uh, I 3D printed mine and uh, just sanded and painted it over the summer. Big Halo fan? Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially uh, uh, Griff Ball. How about you? Uh, for my costume, I found various pieces of uh, clothing online that I sort of just kind of like matched it together myself. Um, the, the one thing that I did make with my friend was my hat. 
and uh, I basically found like an old cowboy hat at Goodwill, and uh, I used red felt and uh, like copper wire to uh, basically make a frame and uh, make these little um, swoops. How long have you been coming to Anime Nebraska? Since like 2010, I think. <laughs> um, I've been coming to Nebraska since like I was in high school, so probably since like 2010, 2011. Okay. What keeps bringing you guys back? Uh, just the community. It's fun seeing everyone's costumes and having people take pictures of you and stuff. Yeah, I like seeing the cosplay. Plus, it's an excuse to dress up and like wear all sorts of like crazy outfits that you can never get away with in public. Is there anything else uh, this weekend that you're looking forward to seeing or attending? Um, I think there's a few panels on Dungeons and Dragons. Like, I'm a huge D&D nerd, so. I always like uh, AMV Hell. It's where they uh, put music in front of the anime and just everyone uh, uploads their own stuff to it. Uh, my name is Stuart Nelson, and I'm cosplaying as Yzma from The Emperor's New Groove. Great. And uh, how did you make uh, the costume? How did you put it all together? Uh, well, this is, is, is a very, very terrible um, piece of uh, acrylic silk I got from Walmart. Um, it was pretty much just a, a pillowcase format, just elongated. Just sucked it in in a couple places that need to be sucked in. So is the, the hat, the headpiece there, is that made out of the same material? Yep, same exact material. Yep. How do you hook the feathers all to it? Uh, this is glued onto a piece of corset boning, actually, steel corset boning. So it's, it's flexible, um, but it still has the stiffness to stay up. Um, these are pheasant feathers that were colored purple, and then ostrich feathers that were colored purple. Um, and then I actually have my hair up in a little a little bun right now. Um, the head wrap is, is tied around, and then I just have the ostrich feathers stuck into the bun on the top. My name's Whitney. Can you tell me a little bit about your costume? Um, I'm Vera Oberlin from Monster Prom, which is a dating sim on Steam. Most of it's just purchased items that I found, but the piece de resistance of my costume is my wig. Um, this is all hand-stitched because um, I couldn't find snake dolls that weren't going to work. Um, so they're all hand-stitched, put together, and stitched onto a wig cap. So it's now, are you doing any of the cosplays this weekend while you're here? Um, yes. Yesterday I was a character named Portia from another dating sim called the Arcana. Um, and then uh, tomorrow I'm going to be wearing a Kigu version of Keith um, from Voltron. What keeps bringing you back every year? Um, you know, just love hanging out with nerds, dressing up, and having fun. Uh, there's a lot of friends that I only get to see at conventions, so it's always fun to come and hang out with them. Is there uh, anything that you're looking forward to yet this weekend? Um, I have some friends that are in the Love Live group that's going to be performing, so I'm excited to watch them. Um, some friends of mine are running a Monster Girl panel um, that is later in the evening <laughs> um, for adults. And, um, yeah, just, just running around and having fun and hanging out. All right, well, thank you very much. Have fun at the con. Thanks, you too. Bye. All right. Well, that was awesome. <laughs> and wasn't that was it? So that was so amazing. excited to see that. Yeah, there I were some really good costumes. I kind of remember there. some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, you guys might not have picked up that I'm not a trained interviewer. <laughs> so... Well, you did fine. No, you had a great idea. I was going around asking people if they wanted to be interviewed, and you just like wrote on your little uh, tablet there, want to talk about your costume. And it's like... This brings up a question. Is it a costume? 
I mean, what is that what cosplayers call their outfits? Is it costume? Shanna? I don't know. I think it, cosplay indicates purpose. Yeah. So you can have a costume for Halloween. Right. But yeah. when you cosplay, you are trying to embody a character for an event. Okay. That's, that's I would say, is the difference. You might just wear a costume. So think about Halloween. Mm -hmm. People are not cosplaying. They are wearing costumes. Right. Mm -hmm. And they are... Uh, you know, out just having fun, being out, but they're not the character. If you are cosplaying, you are embodying the character. So I, steampunk, no. for example, would be, be a costume. costume. Yeah, it'd be a costume. But yes. like when I'm Obi Wan, you're it's cosplaying. Like I'm cosplaying because I'm actually going for the Obi Wan. I mean, I even grew that beard. It's like mm -hmm. God, I hate beards. Yes. But I'll do it for my cosplay. Yeah, and this isn't a costume. So the it's question like, then is, if you if you would like to share information about your cosplay. Would you call it a cosplay then, if you're looking for people? To yeah. Um, well, if you want to be respectful. Right. I, that's always, I never want to say people, They'll costume. understand what costume mm -hmm. is. Right. To me, like, costume is something you go to the party city and you grab a costume. But it's like you, sound like a, you sound like a noob when you say that. So Gosh, dang like, it. I sounded like a noob for all of Nebraska. No, I think it is interchangeable to a degree, <laughs> though, because yeah. the yeah. cosplay goes back to the personality, and I'm sure I'll, you'll get tons of comments of how wrong I am. <laughs> um, the, the cosplay goes back to being that person and that character. But if you're asking about the details of the costume, right? like how did you do this? What is this detail? How much time did this take? Mm -hmm. uh, that's, it's cosplay. I feel like it's the whole person versus the uh, costume is. So okay. cosplay sort of embodies a larger theme of the whole yes. costume. I and we were just so. asking about their costume. Right. So that was fine. That makes and, sense. And that's all. I, part of me was tempted to go to Nepcon just to see the work because you yeah. always appreciate yeah, the work. Exactly. Even, that's exactly mm -hmm. why I love to go. Even mm -hmm. the most simple things, you're like, oh, this won't take too long. And then five hours later, like my Lara Croft cosplay, it doesn't seem like there should be much. It's shorts and a tank top and things like that. But when you start breaking down, okay, I'm going to make bloody bandages to put on my mm -hmm. arm. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to go, what I did, uh, Last year for O Comic Con, uh, since it was warmer in summer, I took bottled water and went to the hotel garden area in the yeah. parking lot, and I made mud. And mm. I put my knees in the mud and uh. threw a little bit up here and there mm -hmm. to look more like... You just came from Yeah, like I came tum tumbling through the, the, the tunnel, and yeah. I wore, uh, wore out railroad boots, like mm -hmm. steel toe. So sure. it... So it looked like you were actually had been immersed in that world yeah. for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm on my lunch break here at this con, and I got to <laughs> yeah. go back yeah. and finish a puzzle. Right, right. <laughs> and, and that's the difference. Yeah, okay. The, the heart, yeah, you have to put heart into your cosplay. Mm -hmm. You do. So Because and if you don't believe it, because be, you may have the best costume, but if you're not selling it, if you don't believe it in yourself, then people aren't going to have fun. They're going to be awkward with you. If you right. are coming across awkward and yeah. I don't believe it myself, then yeah. the, it makes it uncomfortable for everyone else. And you can always see that even from a stage watching a contest. But if they've committed and they're like, I don't care, this is made of duct tape. And I printed this paper logo off and, you know, but if they're selling it and working it yeah. and they're yeah. that character, that's the entertainment. Uh, so it. In, in that respect, cosplay is the costume, but also incorporating yeah. the character's mannerisms and Remember how speech. Josh Cato talked yeah, yeah. about the cosplay competition, about his uh, uh, FMA, Full Metal Alchemist costume, and how 
part of the competition is having mm-hmm. it technically correct, but a big part of it is getting up and being the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that right. is cosplay. You have yeah. to not only wear the outfit, you have to be that person. Mm-hmm. And and you really see that in the cosplay contest. Yes, yes, you do. So, so, I mean, along those lines, though, steampunk could also kind of be cosplay if is. you're adopting a different character, right? right? Yes. You're coming up with a character who has specific mannerisms, like what Eric Larson was talking about. Yes. He plays Lord Bobbins at TeslaCon. He's the organizer of TeslaCon. And he kind of talked about that, about finding your character. Yes. Uh, thank God you were and, at and, a and, and In a lot of ways. What? You were at that same presentation where Eric talked yeah. about developing your In steampunk In a lot of ways, persona. it's easier. Because I, uh, there's nothing you know strict. Right. You I got to... into a conversation with uh, Snapshot. Oh yeah. Where I first realized who he was. Mm-hmm. And of course, I called him by his real name. Yeah. And he acted like I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> right. So, I was uncomfortable overlapping the real person with the character. Right. Uncomfortable dealing with the character versus the, yeah. the person that you know. Because I don't know the character at all. Right. Here I'm trying to carry on a conversation with a total stranger. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though I knew the real guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, right. pres- it presents a level of quality when you start to build that costume. If you are thinking in cosplay terms, what would my character want? And that's where I bet you see with steampunk, the people who have the most interesting costumes are those who have a whole backstory. Story. Oh, yeah. So if they're an airship captain, maybe they've got wings. Mm-hmm. They've started looking at, um, you know, they've got this for this purpose and this for that purpose. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you go from a very generic, it's a cool, beautifully done costume to uh-huh. a cosplay with a character. Yeah. And yeah. there's something that makes it pure and unique. Yeah, it and makes... that's, that's kind of what Eric Larson was saying at, at uh, the panel that we went to was that, you know, if you've got a costume and you've got medals on it, what do what the medals stand yeah. for? How did you earn the medals? Mm-hmm. You know, what is your character's backstory? What did he have to do to get in the military if you're in the military or whatever career you're in? And what are his parents like? And that's Or her parents like? That sort of thing. So, yeah. So now we're in TeslaCon. Well, we're kind of, <laughs> we're kind of drifting back and forth through the membrane of... <laughs> Anime and uh, so but it's yeah. easier with steampunk because there is no set character. It's like you build that whole character, and it doesn't mm-hmm. exist outside of you. So That's it is true. you. Yeah. It's and your it's own like, imagination. Try, I, uh, to to cosplay Obi Wan, I have to watch the movies. Which oh darn, I got to watch all the Star Wars. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, but so you cosplayed Laura Croft. Mm-hmm. How did you inform yourself on that? Uh, I was a tomboy. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I was. Actually, I assume you have some <laughs> understanding of who Laura Croft is. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, I was a historian. Mm. Uh, I grew up loving uh, Indiana Jones and things like that. Mm. And uh, uh, I, I was that getting hurts a PhD. But yeah. What? Why I do what I want. I'm an, I I'm an anthropologist. Jones. And no, Indiana Jones is. What, you he's need like, a spark. He's an archaeologist. And it's like, do you know what? The worst archaeologist ever, ever, ever. The very first thing you see Indiana Jones do is steal a cultural artifact from yeah, a people. And break everything around yeah. it. It belongs in a museum. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's theirs. It's theirs. It's, it's not an ancient culture. They're alive. They're right there. And you're stealing <laughs> okay, their stuff. Okay, but, but you in need the a time, spark. Right. And in the time period that the movies existed, that's how archaeology was done. And here's that's, that's, a, that's a left-handed uh, I'm just saying, it was, it was time period accurate. Mm, yeah, it was. This <laughs> is what was wonderful about Laura Croft, is she, you have to understand, she is one of the first major pop characters that has brown eyes and brown hair. Mm-hmm. Mm. And growing up as a little, you know, Mexican-American girl, 
I was presented with Barbie. Mm-hmm. Right. And yep. then. So were we all. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's like, I remember telling my mom, I wish I had blue eyes and, bra- brown, and blonde, blonde hair. Blonde hair. Yep. I wish I looked like the other girls I was in school with. Because I was, I have gone mm. to different schools and I was often the only quote unquote person of color. Mm. And so here's Laura Croft. She's badass. Mm. She's, sorry, the rating. <sighs> That's right. Um, no, I'm good with that. She's, she's, <laughs> no, no, we've cursed. She's intelligent, yeah. mm-hmm. and she looks more like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And that's a good thing for cosplay is, like, yeah. that lets you see yourself in the role of this uh, character who you look up to. I think the last decade of movies has actually expanded female cosplay opportunities a great yes. deal. Mm-hmm. Well, I think so. And that kind of brings brings us to a similar topic that was just uh, in my science fiction news feed this week was the um, <clears throat> the expansion of the sci-fi universe to include not only women but um, people with um, physical handicaps. No, um, that is the best segue you've ever done. I'm going to give you a golf clap. On that. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. Not sir. even a pun. Not <laughs> even. Yes. Are you are you reining it in for our guests or what? It's I like think I, I, it's the close proximity. I guess. Did, I, did like, Linda replace him? him? <laughs> Linda's, Linda's within slapping distance. So. <laughs> <laughs> the audio. Think of the audio. But no, no. Yeah. The uh, the. Oh, what was the actual project called? Uh, it, it's the Destroy Project. Destroy, yeah, but I can't remember what the actual uh, particular part of that was. But it was uh, talking about <clears throat> the expansion of the sci-fi universe to include that and to give more people more representation and to make the broader sci-fi um, world, if you will, look more representative of culture. And here's the conflict you'd have to start thinking about. If they have the technology then to rebuild anything, are there still people who are disabled? Are there still people who don't have a limb because we'll do some stem cells and we'll grow that back? So everyone, in theory, could be perfect in the future. Exactly. And that's kind of the future that you go for. You go for no one has poverty. No one has crippling illnesses. mm -hmm. No one has... Because I remember Christopher Reeves had the problem. That he was offered movie roles, mm-hmm. but always as the bad guy. After, you mean it, after he was really? after he fell yeah. off the horse? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Man, that, that would have been kind of awesome. I, I hate to say well, that, but it's well, like I know, I but, but like, I think that that goes. That's a problem. That's a, good point. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. If, if it, every time you have a handicapped it, it, person, they're offered an evil if that's, role. If that's that, what our society. What's well, the same problem as every time yeah. you have it for a dark-haired person? They're right. the bad guy. Well, yeah. remember James Bond? The guy yeah. was always in a wheelchair with the cat in his lap. So right. I mean, that goes way yeah. back. Uh, and all the witches. Always had the dark hair, dark eyes. Well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to yeah. say the witches had wheelchairs. And stuff. <laughs> I don't well, remember the witches. But, but I, yeah, I just remember. So that's, I mean, that's something to look you. Uh. The specific mm-hmm. project that we're talking about is uh, uh, the September-October issue of Uncanny, uh, which year? is Disabled People Destroy Science Fiction. Uncanny is a uh, fiction magazine. What year? Uh, 2018, this oh, year. Oh, this year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so the Destroy Project is something that started back in 2014, I believe, with uh, Women Destroy Science Fiction, and that was coming out at the height of Gamergate and uh, mm. uh, the associated uh, sad and rabid puppies movements. <laughs> when they say Destroy Science Fiction, what are they... Uh, are they well, what they're destroy? saying is, is that 
for so long, science fiction has been right. about normal, normal-bodied people, well, right? Normal Mostly white with penises. Right, yes. right. Men. There's your clear ratings. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's been men, white men, typically in the heroes' roles. Yeah, good hairline. You know, running, mm-hmm. and that that's gone so long that that has become accepted as de facto science fiction, and anything that deviates from that is ruining science fiction according to these, these sad, and sad the puppies. puppies. Yeah, these oh, sad well. puppies the, that don't want to see that expansion. They don't want to see women take on the That is these such an odd view to me. Hero yes. roles yeah. or handicapped people take on these, these heroic roles. There's nostalgia. So I, I disagree with them, but it's also, I think, hard to separate yourself from those childhood memories. Yeah, so true. like the new mm-hmm. she run. Hmm. I loved the original Shira. I loved the animation, the character design. I thought it was great. So a part of me is like, I don't know about this reboot. Because I preferred her looking womanly. I preferred her looking and being a certain way. And they're trying to make her more in her cast more open and acceptable and so that other people feel relatable mm-hmm. to that sure. character. Mm-hmm. And there's a point where you're like, I got to let it go. Mm-hmm. I got to let it go and let it become something new. Nothing can stay the same. Enjoy your nostalgia, the old form, understand the context. Now let's go to the sa- let's go to the next level cuz the more we evolve and have the diversity, the more it's going to be what we see every day and right. be interesting. Well, have you- I don't think most people who are sci-fi fans if you ask them why they watch sci-fi or read it or whatnot, are going to go, well it's just because of nostalgia. No. They're going to pretend anyway to go mm-hmm. It expands your mind. It makes you see things in a different way. It does that too. But when yeah. you're five years old, no. But, <laughs> it, but it, so see, then, I mean, I think you should. If you're going to make the argument, the sci-fi expands your mental universe. Yeah. Then you need to embrace changes to sci-fi. Well, and that's yeah. just how it is. Even if it's uncomfortable. Yeah. This actually comes back a little bit towards what we were talking about with cosplay and being able to see yourself in that character. And, like, for so long, all of these characters that were primarily white, straight, male men. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, white, mate, sh- male, mm-hmm. straight men can see themselves in the roles of these characters. But now we're kind of expanding <laughs> out to, like, giving other people the chance to see themselves in these characters. Mm-hmm. And some people don't like sharing their toys. Well, right. It's like Battlestar Galactica, the reboot. It's oh, like, yeah. It's like With all Starbucks. Of a Starbucks a woman... Boomer is a woman, and it's like a lot of people lost their minds, and it's like, um, it it it, it threw me for a little loop. It's like, how am I going to adjust to this? And it's like, it turns out it's like way better than the campy 1970s, (laughs) way better. And this Starbuck was much better as Starbuck than Dirk Benedict. Uh, It it was it was an awesome show. It made Battlestar Galactica infinitely better. Than it was, and I think it helped all of sci-fi because it mm-hmm. became so it popular. Did. It did, yeah. I think, and, it but just... the, the rabbit puppies are probably probably almost lost their minds over that one. <laughs> well, another one was Heimdall from Thor when they cast Idris Elba as a as the god Heimdall in in, in the hmm. Norse pantheon. They were like, you can't have a black Norse god. You can't like, and it's like they're sci-fi carv comic book they can do whatever they want yeah well or 
Doctor Who. And it was awesome. With yeah, the new female cool. doctor. There and were people that just went insane over that. And then are still going insane over that. <clears throat> but it's like And their tears are delicious. Can can <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Can one of you explain sad and rabid puppies? All right. So just Go for ahead. our audience. Well, so um, sad puppies um, basically is a group of people that that uh, uh, men pretty much entirely as far as I know. White straight men. Yeah. That um, are fighting against the introduction of female characters and people of color and people of different sexual orientations or no sexual orientation into sci-fi. And they're they're fighting against it. And and uh, the, a big example was their the um, the impact they had at WorldCon, the science World Science Fiction Convention. The Hugo Awards. Yeah. And so the they would phrase that as they are more towards the specific feel of sci-fi that is that um, has that they think that those things uh, having having the uh, people of character main like characters and LGBT they view that as politicizing the fiction right. and they want political free fiction good point right and that is that is the way they phrase it right and and really it it when you listen to them it does come off as them being like but why did you even feel the need to have mm -hmm. a gay black guy as your main character you just did that for representation that's mm -hmm. po politicizing your story right and that's not what sci-fi is about uh, yeah, they are. They say they don't want any politics in their science fiction, and I want to just kind of like slap them upside well, the head. When you and have go, a history of uh, representing only one group of people because of oppression, then when people start representing other things, they they start calling that you're going away from tradition, mm -hmm. and that's tradition can be that kind of a a, a chain around innovation. Right. But well, let, let's also. I don't think stories and the quality of the stories should be compromised either. Well, no, so, they're I mean, not. No, I'm not saying they're not, but I think there is also a push to go too far. Like, I guess uh, Dun when Dunkirk came out, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not sci-fi, but there was a lot of backlash saying, where are the African-Americans? Where are the sure. Asians? And it's like, uh, they're in England mm -hmm. uh, during the uh, 40s. Uh, not as noticeable of a population. Mm -hmm. You should. I don't. There has to be a line where yeah. we we do diversify sci-fi and fantasy, but also still let if there is a certain story that is being told a certain way, let's let them have that yeah. too and not judge. Let it. You can still have the traditional sci-fi because you want that's just happens to be what the story is. But sure. let's also keep expanding. But, but, but Dun Dunkirk would be different. I mean, it's historical ish. <coughs> I mean, can James Bond be Idris Elba next time? Well, you got to think in terms of, of England is very homogenous. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't understand that America is not homogenous. <laughs> uh, but they, they do understand that, but they don't understand that other places don't have the diversity that we have. And mm -hmm. it's like, in a lot of places, without diversity, you know, that this simply, a lot of the things that we consider everyday life just 
doesn't exist there. And it's growing, though. I mean, because you look at the refugee populations yeah. going into Great Britain. And, and the backlash on those refugee populations is exactly what, yeah, what, what is happening. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's, the, that's the line. Lord of the Rings. Similar situation. You have a lot of white male characters. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Peter Jackson did a great job bringing minor characters like Arwen. Um, oh, what's the other girl's name? Eowyn? Hmm. Yes. Was it ever stated in the books that any of the characters were white? Well, the assumption was yeah. hobbits are assumption. the Irish, yeah. dwarves are the Scottish, <laughs> elves are the Welsh, and men were the English. I mean, that's where Tolkien was coming from. What would have happened had they cast uh, people of color? In that? Uh, would people have watched? Uh, like, and I'm not defending. If people wouldn't have watched, then damn them. But no, it's like, because uh, it's a good story. So Peter Jackson wanted to create something that is Tolkien, and I, mm-hmm. I think that was great, and, and we've got this. And now if people wanted to make something new, a different version, kind of like what we do with Shakespeare. Coming on Amazon Prime, actually. Yeah, so Shakespeare, you see a lot of different colors, faces, backgrounds now because we've taken this universal, wonderful story uh, that Shakespeare might have created and applied it to the changes of modern society. So I think there are still situations where you give ode to the context of that situations such as Lord of the Rings or some of the other classics and then now we go and expand without and and include other groups without this backlash of you're ruining everything no we're just giving a different perspective Mm -hmm. well yeah no I I agree completely with all of that but it's like so you're saying leave the originals you know this is what they are now now we've established the universe have fun and if someone wants to pay homage to the old to the, the to the context of what it was before, I don't think they should be villainized. Right. Which yeah. is what I think you still see. Like there yes. are people who are going too far the other way. Yeah. Sure. Really. Well, so you're, so you're saying that there's some Shakespeare that's uh, rolling out. Well, there always has been. <laughs> well, I mean, modernized Shakespeare. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, like, all, all I can remember is that Leonardo DiCaprio thing. Oh, you need to go to Shakespeare on the Green, well, like in well, here not, in Omaha. There's a lot of mosquitoes there, and I'm, I'm a little know. lost. <laughs> Raise it. Put some deed on it. It's more about it. Oh, yeah, know, no, no, I'm a little lost on something because no, I, I don't think I complain if it's done silly, like I don't, I don't care, or, or too preachy, but politics and sci-fi. Why not? Sci- sci-fi yeah. is political. I think, yeah. like, right? I mean, so, <laughs> the so whole purpose whole... of it is to make a statement. Look, look at right. the, the Star Trek episode, um, I think your last battlefield, where you had Lokai and the yeah. other guy, and uh, one was black on the left yeah. side mm-hmm. and oh, white yeah. on the right side, mm-hmm. and the other guy was white on the left and black on the right, mm-hmm. and they, were, they pretty much destroyed their entire planet over the fact that they couldn't get along yeah. because they were different. And... Uh, like the original Star Trek was highly political. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was. Had well, the first interracial kiss yeah. on TV. Yeah. They did. And I and, think those and, things are good. I yeah. just I think whatever is trying to be expressed, let it also be expressed without saying, You just didn't have any women because you're sexist. Right. Or I mean right. so well. that's the line. I mean it, mm-hmm. or maybe there is room for debate depending on how it's done. I just think that right now with social media culture, we try and hop there's not as much room for nuance. We need more nuanced mm-hmm. conversations Agreed. about these things. Yes, I agree. Instead of, no, we're not going to talk about it. You're just a bad person. Right. I, I mean, there is, there, there's totally room for the old-style sci-fi stories. I, it's, I think the people who are refusing to make room for the new stories is the problem. Yeah. No, and that, and I would yeah. absolutely agree with I that as agree. well. Yeah. Now, 
here's sort of something that's along those lines, and that is um, <clears throat> the different perspective that people have for different types of programming. Um, recently, there was a blow up in the news with Bill Maher and Stan Lee over Stan Lee's death, where Bill Maher came out and uh, while he didn't he didn't attack Stan Lee, he basically said... He attacked the fans who mourned Stan Lee. Well, he attacked the fans saying that basically the um, comics were great as a little kid, but when you realized that once you got an adult, got to be an adult, you read adult books, you didn't read comic oh books it, anymore. It's even worse than that. Um, I think Seth is looking at uh, the direct quote, but it came as far as saying that people who think there's so much, that comics are so intellectual uh, and are offended even by this statement are stupid. Mm -hmm. That there's basically in some there's nothing comic intellectual. Comic book culture is dumb. So, yeah, and that's yeah. actually what he said. Mm -hmm. so, so Seth has a quote. Yeah, he was... What I was saying is a culture that thinks comic books and comic book movies are profound mediations on human condition is a dumb fucking culture. And for the people who get mad at, and for the people, and for people to get mad at, that just proves my point. Uh -huh. Right. So he basically doesn't view any sort of like comic book storytelling yeah. or any of the movies as. Profound. Uh, profound or have anything to it's for little kids in right. his opinion right which or just uh, for entertainment which and it's not surprising he would feel that way because he doesn't really know anything about it he admitted to not reading comic books it's like it's the height movies. of ignorance to comment on sure. things you don't understand yeah, yeah. and it's like yeah. I, it's almost unforgivable i like bill maher but yeah you know that too. is out bill, of line bill maher really comes like right there he really comes across as an out of touch old guy who's yeah. just like, I don't understand yeah. it, so yeah. it's got to be dumb. Yeah. yeah. And or like, he can't, I don't think he can understand like the impact like Spider Man had on me as a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, a geeky kid who was not in the cool crowd mm -hmm. and having Peter Parker to look up to and right. like seeing him come up against those sort of things. Right. Like it's he just, it's just, just not for him. doesn't get it. It's <laughs> right. just, just well, not I, for him. But I think, I think there's something darker there. Because I, I think we're social creatures. We communicate with each other very often through stories. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in this group, if we're having what would be a political debate, Mm -hmm. We might go, well, Peter Parker would have yeah. <laughs> thought this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and so and so yes, to, to that cut is what we would do. So whether or right. not the whether or not the story itself is profound, it's still something we can use as a filter as or a cultural as a, reference. A, as a menomic reference. Yeah. Well, and the impact on popular culture cannot be underestimated. This is this is not real, but the, the, the debates and discussions about them are, are very real in terms of how our culture operates. And well, I love how Kevin Smith put it, because Kevin Smith, you know, people may not realize, he knew Stanley for 25 plus mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. was a fan, then had a chance to do a movie with him. And the way he put it, because he grew up with Stanley, that was his moral compass. Mm -hmm. That's Stanley helped make his moral compass because he had, you know, growing up the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. which wasn't the most engaging thing for him. And then he had comic books. 
that that with great power comes great responsibility whether you have the money you help someone or if you have great strength you help someone who can't help mm -hmm. themselves you're yes. always doing more to help and he said that cannot be underrated enough that you know it may on the surface look like a comic yeah. book but if what you're looking up to and what you're consuming sets that compass and how you're going to interact with the rest of the world that is the value in a world where the rich and powerful do as they want it's like it, it, it's only recently that i've actually thought in terms of these people have superpowers why aren't they stealing whatever they want and then because <laughs> right. would i i i i hope not but if, if not then it's because of the example comics books gave me it's like the fact you that none power. of them have mech suits is a waste of great resource. Just saying. <laughs> well, I don't think Superman needs one. But <laughs> Well, how does the concept of absolute power corrupts absolutely play into superheroes with superpowers? Oh, they constantly fight that. They do. They're, they do. they're always fighting that. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, and I mean, that's one of the deep storylines comic books have to tell us is how how can people handle these powers? Mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, there have been multiple different authors and artists who've tackled fascism and nationalism a lot uh how how we can uh, shine shining lights on other societal problems like marvel was doing racism really back in the or not back they were the tackling racism back in the 70s in like their own like ways i mean it wasn't always great there were definitely failings but uh, like, at least they Stan it. Lee was yeah. yeah, like Marvel and DC, I, both I, were. I think the '60s actually. I am going to check myself. But I'm pretty sure well, X Men came out in 1962. Yeah, and that's what the core of X Men. But well, but, but Bill Maher mm -hmm. just dismissed all that. Just like I, without uh, any kind of understanding of what he was talking about, he dismissively uh, called everything that you learned dumb. a dumb fucking culture. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, I, yes. I might say something about our, our culture, but I, I'm going to say well, I already my said first it exposure that I'm aware of to morality and moral responsibility was the Super Friends cartoon. Mm. You know, at four years old or whatever I was, mm -hmm. sitting in front of that going, I want to be the superhero, not Lex mm -hmm. Luthor, right? Yeah. And... Might not be profound, but it's a four-year-old kid. That's sure. that's a, a, a decent a foundation as. I think it's age. Anything. I think it has a lot to do with his age because I know Bill and I are probably about the same age as Bill Maher. And I, my experience with, okay, cartoons, is Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wasn't really superhero-y. or you know Coyote Wiley Coyote. Well, so, and it well, could be an example of. The. You know, the I, I can't remember what the term is for it now, but the less you know about something, the more of an expert you think you are oh, on right. it. Yeah. 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 Right? Oh, and it could yeah. be that, you know, he had, like many of us, uh, uh, a small exposure to cartoons as a child, mm -hmm. but he hasn't had any contact with it since, and he thinks that nothing has changed and that the maybe the nonsensical cartoon or comics that he yeah. looked at in those days well, are still what it is well, you know, today. Funny, I've, I've told this group, but I grew up with Star Blazers because mm -hmm. I was on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. yes. And when I moved here, oh, uh, one of my, uh, this is 20 years ago, but I started to make up Star Blazers 
Fan story. No, no, I was, t- I was having an art, uh, a conversation with somebody, and I go, well, Derek Wildstar would have blah, blah. Oh. And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I went, oh, oh, my God, I have to subdue this whole... Well, yeah, but... Uh, uh, but it was important. But like my political views that. are... Informed. Informed. It's one of the filters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is from... And I think the worry about the gamelons. It is a filter yes. from childhood. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but you guys don't know what it is. Do you know what Star Blazers is? No, I yeah, it's, I've it, never it, seen Star Blazers, but I know I've seen I've seen your costume. Charles is uh, <laughs> right. I think you, it only showed on the West and East Coast, and I saw it when I lived in California. Oh. So I don't know why, but it's like no one here has seen it. <laughs> it's huh. like it's, and it's like no one knew what my cosplay was. But I was like yeah. you said a lot of times, but. So, so I had, I, w- I won't go too far, but like, so I grew up with the worry, that, I don't even know what's a worry, but aliens from outer space are the threat. <laughs> Everybody else has come together. All the mm-hmm. other politics mm-hmm. is small mm-hmm. compared to our, our bad guy. Uh-huh. And so I have that in my head. And so I come out here and we're all concerned with you know, what's wrong with Oklahoma or Texas or the northerners <laughs> or whatnot. And I'm I'm sitting there. It, to me, it's the same as like um, Game of Thrones. Yeah. There's people going, but what about the the winter creatures coming? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, why are we fighting right. amongst ourselves and the other yeah. people? And and if you, I think if you grew up with Star Blazers, you have that in you. It's mm-hmm. it, it causes I, a difference. I remember. Culture. That. I thought in terms when I saw Star Blazers, it's like I wish that aliens would attack. Because then we become unified, and it's like mm-hmm. uh, we won't do, do it ourselves, and that's or we wouldn't, and we'd all no. die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the dark storyline of the Watchmen. Spoiler right. alert: when you when you read the comics, not in the in the, the original graphic novel, not the movie, hmm. that you know the movie made it seem like they were all supposed to be against Doctor Manhattan, and that's what brings humanity together. But instead, with the whole point that he was the the villain was trying to make was. Let's create an artificial, simulated alien uh, invasion, and then people will have to come together. Mm. And and he sacrifices millions of people in this charade to do that. To save billions. Yes, to save billions. And because I actually agreed with him. And and that and he ultimately failed though. Well, <laughs> well, that, that we know. We don't know how the story from, ends. Yeah, from the yeah, we don't know. Uh, the theory is that hopefully because Doctor Manhattan bought into it. So I mean, it's it's their their destruction was almost certain that nuclear war. They were mm. very close to that, right. and he stopped that. And it's like, yes, he killed millions of people to do it, but he saved billions of people. And and going back to that moral compass, so like 1963, that's when X Men came out, and you're talking about how this show informs your political views growing up. Right. Uh, so X Men, you see a lot of people who aren't the same being treated unfairly characters you come to care about as a kid and you see them getting reacted to with fear and violence you're like how could they want to hurt this character that i love so much don't they see that they're cool that they're good people and so you learn empathy Mm -hmm. reading about characters and you start to wonder i'm about to be mean to this person because everyone treats them a certain way but what if they're like the superhero that no one really knows about you know what would xavier do Exactly. No. So it, that moral compass that we can't, we don't even know is developing, but there's, what, do you, what is the biggest, one of the biggest lessons of X-Men is that fear will destroy society. Fear will always hurt others. When you react on fear instead of trying to understand, yeah. you will fall. 
and it, it hurt it hurts people and i mean that's pretty much magneto right there is he's the one who gives in to fear all the mm -hmm. time and that mm -hmm. he, that's his main motivation is that the is fear that the humans will eventually kill all the well, mutants he so doesn't seek to he, he's gonna do it first he mm -hmm. seeks to eliminate not understand well considering mm -hmm. his origin story uh the concentration camps and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, his fear, uh, you know, to, to experience concentration camps as a child would be a traumatic experience. Yeah, and he's probably scarred forever from that. But yes, Literally. he does try to generate uh, fear. And that's where you learn you have to learn to forgive. You have to learn to believe that people can change. Because if you don't, you become a supervillain. The other thing is that just <laughs> sounded like somebody who's had empathy developed through comic book stories. Yeah. I mean, that you're actually feeling for the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, and I, mean, that's, right? I mean, that's, 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 that a bad um, guy is never as complicated. Okay. It's not simple. simple. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so. every v Magneto doesn't think about himself as the villain. He thinks of himself no. as the hero. And Except, I mean, that's course, the mark of a good, like, villain. For Bill Maher, who has pointed out that he doesn't have as much depth as he thought he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Golf clap for Charles. Yes. Yes. Scooby yes. snack for Charles. Nice. Awesome. There's Sweet. Scooby snacks? Scooby snacks. Mm -hmm. if we, we have space punch. Oh, yes. I forgot oh. about our space punch. I'm going to yes. have some space punch. Space punch to cure your space thirst. How is it? I've seen you guys drink. It's pretty good. I, I actually already had a tea poured, so I haven't had any it's not yet. Bad. But is it? Oh. It's all right? Yes. It's got a wang well, to it. It's got a what? A wang? A wang to it. Wag? Wang. Wang? Wang. Wang. That. No, well, I'm sorry, I tried something. I'm going to sip my it's sip it's <laughs> yeah. you, you take that however you want, sir. Watch I me don't. take a big... Oh. Mm -hmm. well, big sip of your space <clears throat> wing? Oh. <laughs> that's good wing. There wang. goes the clear way. Yeah. So let's... There goes our space punch uh, advertising. <laughs> yeah, they're out now. <laughs> Another advertiser. Gone the way of Clark. Well, do we want to talk a little bit uh, briefly? <laughs> We're getting uh, kind of close on time here. Do we want to talk a little bit about TeslaCon and uh, what we thought there? And while we're talking, I can throw some pictures up on the screen of some of the cosplays that we saw. But. I was very happy to go to TeslaCon because it, it was a totally different kind of con. Like I, like I said, um, Josh and I were talking at TeslaCon, and he said he doesn't want to go to TeslaCon because he feels he's too old for it. And I understand exactly what he's saying. Josh is too old. No, I'm sorry, too old for Nebcon, Nebraska. Oh, oh yes. yeah, yeah. And I understand what he's saying about that. But I go to, to Nebcon because social, because I watch all kinds of social things happening. I like Tessicon because it's a whole different area of social. Um, it's a con designed for older people. Mm -hmm. And you see it reflected. And it's not only the differences, but it's the similarities. It's like there's no cosplay competition, but at the time where there would be a cosplay competition, they have the ball. Mm -hmm. The the format's <laughs> the same. Um, it's different, but it's the same. And it's good to know that as I creep up there in years, there's a place to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that so, this is something people do. Yeah. So as someone who didn't go to TeslaCon this year and hasn't ever been, uh, tell me about TeslaCon. Well, um, <clears throat> so um, TeslaCon uh, usually happen, happens every November, uh, right before th the weekend before Thanksgiving. Um, and this was the ninth TeslaCon that they've had. Where uh, is it held? It's held in Madison, Wisconsin. Ooh. So not 
a horrible drive from Omaha, about six, seven, about seven hours. Horrible drive. is in the eye of the beholder. Well, yes. yes, if you're if you're driving to Madison, Wisconsin, after you get off work on a Thursday night, you and, might find some deer. Yeah, and, you're, and, <laughs> and as you're driving on the roads, you're getting close to Madison. You get off the interstate because you're on like highway, and as John found out, the the deer's eye you. Uh, dangerously as you're driving <laughs> at that time of night. So, but for um, uh, Audie and Linda and I and uh, a friend of ours, Paul Crank, we drove up. We left early Thursday morning. We got in probably about 3 o'clock, I think. Yeah. And um, so, but this was the ninth TeslaCon. And um, they, he does like a 10-year story arc. And um, <clears throat> so it started in year one, and then each year is kind of a different theme, but it kind of builds on the story. So uh, the first one we went to, I think, was TeslaCon 5, which was Journey to the Center of the Earth. So that was the theme, but it's got the same characters in it. So they have this bad guy called Dr. Procticus. <laughs> and, that uh, cracks me up every time. <laughs> yeah. And and it's like... Yeah, I, I hear Doctor Proctologist every yeah. time. You yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was yeah. like, yeah. "What kind of weapons do you have?" <laughs> oh. yeah. Just his fingers. Is that, <laughs> a, is that a dirty bomb? Yes, it is. I think it is. This well, is a steampunk convention, right? It, yes. Yes. It sounds like yes. he'd be a supporter of chloroprep. Yeah, he might be. <laughs> he would. Might be. He would. Uh, but anyway, he's the bad guy, and the good guy is played by the con organizer, uh, Eric John Larson, and he plays a character called Lord Bobbins, who's like the Prime Minister of England. And um, so those two are constantly battling, and, and uh, Dr. Procticus has his own army of minions called Swarm, which is... A, uh, the Society for War against the, or on the Royal Masses or, or against the Royal Masses. And so he's constantly battling the, the good forces. And so <laughs> each time, no matter what the theme is, there's this battle that happens. And the nice thing about it is it's, um, it's, it's billed as a full immersion convention. So they have actors mm. that they hire. So as you spend your weekend going around, you're going to view different vendor rooms or you're going to different panels or whatever. Uh, maybe you'll be waiting in line for something. Actors will be coming along, and they'll stop, and they'll do a particular part to help get you into the immersion, and you'll get another little piece of that particular. They had, they had really good actors. Yeah, yeah that's I, that, that I, particular episode. Like a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, they even go so far as like um, so. It's held at the Marriott, and. Um, they even go so far as replacing a lot of the pictures in the lobby of like J.W. Marriott and all that. They replace them with Lord Bobbins, you know, in his in his suit and everything, you know. And then they have um, 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 like uh, CD players and and music um, all around the lobby, common areas of the hotel. So as you walk around, um, you might be hearing sounds of downtown London, which uh, this year's uh, theme was the Battle of Britain. Oh. And so there was this huge aerial combat that took place um, over Britain, the forces of Swarm mm. fighting against the, the United uh, European forces, including Germany and all these countries that had been overrun by Swarm. And now England was like, it was like Fortress England, right, the final stronghold. Yeah. And so this was going to be the final battle. And um, 
So as you walk through, you hear sounds of London. You might hear sounds of aircraft overhead battling in the skies. And, and then um, at certain points, they'll have um, immersion events that you can go to. And you go in, and they have actors up on the stage, and they're playing roles. And you might be um, on an airship, or you might be in a, in this case, <coughs> excuse me, in this case, we were um, in uh, bunkers in London because Swarm was coming, mm-hmm. and they were dropping bombs. Hmm. And so you're in this bunker, and then, and on the screen, you're seeing a, a video from on top of these um, airship docking platforms, watching dirigibles battle in the sky with aircraft and all this kind of stuff, and weapons going on. And, and uh, so it's, it's, it's a pretty cool event, actually. It's kind of different than um, other cons, any other yeah, con I've really been to. Really. Like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it. So that was this year. Um, next year, uh, the theme is uh, next year's the, the last year in this particular theme. Uh, next year is uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Oh. And so this year, the forces of Swarm were pretty much defeated and routed. Um, but uh, what we found out at the end is that there was a twist in that Lord Bobbins's aide, primary aide, turns out that he is the mastermind behind Swarm and that he created basically Dr. Procticus and Swarm as a means of revenge for to Lord Bobbins for a reason we don't know yet. But that next year there's going to be a murder of some prominent person on board the Orient Express. And so Lord Bobbins is going to be on the Orient Express with his entourage and whatever, going to China because China's asked for him to come and help consult and improve their military because based on his success against Swarm. And he actually writes steampunk fiction. Oh, does he? Yeah, so he's got quite a few books. And his books basically now are about... Uh, they the they go into yeah, yeah. Oh. into detail. On but that different. was kind of one of the things that I had a problem with in terms of it is that if you don't know the backstory, the con you lo- it loses half its appeal, hmm. and it's like you should never go that deep into. Well, that's why they like, published. They did publish the uh, the history. That, well, that, well, that doesn't matter for it's our like, listeners. For, for people to just roll in the door, there's no way to actually catch up to all this. For our listeners uh, and for myself, because I enjoy myself some steampunk fiction. Yep. Uh, what uh, what is he published under, and what are what are like? Is there a series name that we can look for on Amazon or um, author yeah. name? I will have to find it because I can't pull it off the top of my head right now. You uh, can put it in bit, the comments yeah. or the I, about section. Will it be a graphic that will show up right I'll, here just now? Yeah, I'll right where you're pointing. Right okay. in here. Yeah. We'll put it on a graphic, and uh, we'll <laughs> yes. make sure to link that in the comments section and yeah. in the uh, on the website. Yeah. So, yeah, and Audie, what'd you think of it? It was your first trip to TeslaCon. <laughs> well, like a lot, what, a lot of the, what they were saying is, uh, I wasn't as immersed in it, hmm. and I enjoyed all the costumes. I had fun at the uh, interaction. And you liked the, the vendor same, room. The what? The, the vendor, vendor room. room. Oh God, the deck cost me. <laughs> yeah. They have yeah. a nice so, vendor room. So oh, that's God, yeah, awesome. that's another good thing about uh, Animated Brass Con is they have a really cool vendor room. Well, like, if you are into anime, if you're not, if you're into anime, if well, you're you can not. find art if you're into art. Uh, you, yeah, find uh, yeah. costuming it's, stuff. It's, it's more. It's not a generalized. It's, as yeah. Animated Nebraska Con has tried to become a more generalized con, its vendor room has not reflected that change. Mm. And it's not so bad. I mean, like Charles found me a couple posters that I love very much. Yeah. Uh, but it's like it, it is. But 
you know, growth, it's growth so, but anyway, but Audie, so what else, uh, other than the vendor room costing you a lot, what, what did you like? What did you dislike? What was confusing? Uh, I enjoyed the uh, age group. It was ra- mm-hmm. rather surprising. Yeah. yeah. And uh, everybody was so friendly. Yeah. It, it was. Mm-hmm. And I you liked have, the tea room? Tea room was a nice break. So. <laughs> Tell yeah, me more. Good. They have, <laughs> that is, a, nice, that is a good idea. A con yeah. should have that. Because every once in a while at NEVCON or OzFest or BritishFest, I'd like to have a chair. Just yeah, to sit you in. just want to go sit and down and relax I'll for pay 15 bucks to have a chair that I yeah. can go to. So you know, it's it was like, $15 for the whole weekend. And fifteen? Fifteen dollars. Yeah. No, 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 no. For the tea room. For oh, the tea room. For the tea room. Oh, access okay. to the tea room. The con was like a hundred and something. But right. the uh, but, yeah. tea room was open pretty much the entire time of the con. And you can With go there actual at any time. tea? Yes. Actual tea. And, and cookies. And they have a whole well, big, biscuits. Well, yes. biscuits, yes. cookies, a whole tiered thing of different kinds of cookies. And, and it was high tea, not iced tea. Apparently, Wisconsin doesn't do iced tea. So well, TeslaCon probably doesn't. Oh, no, I, I went out looking cold. for it. I can't like, judge them there. <laughs> I had iced tea at the restaurant we ate at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cowboy that Jacks. I excellent. had plenty of iced tea. Oh, no. Well, no, no not, nothing about that restaurant was excellent. But it sounds like you should be careful <laughs> next year because there's going to be a murder. Yes. Oh, it won't be me. And they did say a prominent... I'm not significant enough They to did say a prominent character. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, that so, doesn't mean... Well, what I like about this this thought that this con had this, uh, so let's be honest, a lot of the biggest fans of these genres, not maybe the most social people mm. yes. um, all the time, or they're just not used to being exposed and to that level. That's what I like. I like watching right. that. And, yeah. and to have a place where you could go for a few go. minutes to sit, or to be quiet. Quite away oh, yeah. from people. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. To be to shoulder to shoulder people all the time. Yeah. Like, I have to play extrovert with my job. I'm actually an introvert. And there comes a point where it's too, especially having ADHD as well, mm. it's too much. It's mm-hmm. too much stimulation. I start to shut down. Yeah. I, so to have a few minutes to go to a maybe more quiet room yeah. where I'm able to sit, take yeah. a few minutes. Yeah. Have a one-on-one conversation. That's a good maybe. idea. And yeah. that's, that's good. And I have two younger brothers who have autism. And the one who's more severe than the other, yeah, he would need a room at some point to like kind of, it's a little bit quieter. Yeah, a little bit, not as much people on top of people, not as loud, because noise is Mm -hmm. much more significant for most spectrum autistic people. So having, because you love the thing, you want to go be around it, you want to talk, maybe make friends you never had, but you need a place to get away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it's nice. And that's what it sounds like maybe this tea room was. It was a a quieter place. I'm an introvert also. Yeah. And attention deficit disorder. Yeah. And I, yeah, hey, Hey. we're we're a group here. Sound off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It, I, Went th- uh, we went as a group. Mm-hmm. I was in there a few times on my own. I just <laughs> mm-hmm. right. yeah, that's fine. Now, yeah. and and the cool thing about it is, is that just because you go to the tea room, doesn't mean you've removed. taken yourself uh, removed no. yourself from the con. Because at some points, the actors will go into the tea mm-hmm. room as well, mm-hmm. and they'll sit down and maybe have tea with you, or maybe come by your table and chat you up, and that kind of awesome. in character, you know, mm-hmm. about what's going on and. And uh, we had uh, one guy who was kind of like a Sherlock's Holmes, Sherlock Holmesian character. And um, what was up with the kid who came out to us and said, 
Which way to the front, sir? I have to go die now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but that was awesome. <laughs> that, that, that was just, yeah, so well, That's that way. so British. Yeah. Yes. Oh, to the front, the battlefront. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. 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 I, I don't, it, it was just jarring. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We tried to talk him out of it, I yeah. think. But we, we did, but no, I must successful. go. I must go. Yes. Okay. Ben, after defending England. The umpire requires my death, and so I probably <laughs> will do it. Yeah. Pip, pip, we're on our way now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> my, yeah. my rank is cannon fodder. <laughs> <laughs> Says right here. Exactly. Yeah. In marker, because I'm cannon fodder. You know, it's like they didn't even give me an, an embellished name tag. Uh, the front is that way, so. Yeah. Yeah. so what yes, those actors were kind of awesome. Yeah, they were. One of my favorite cons, uh, Conquest down in Kansas City, also has a uh, break room for mm. people. So nice. I think I'm hoping that becomes a more common thing at conventions. Yeah, because not everyone can afford a hotel room in the same place that oh, the con yeah. is at. Right. And and definitely, I prefer that myself because I like to be able to find a way place to sneak off to, mm -hmm. take a breather. I don't know where Nebcon would put one though, because every they they actually had to put things in the other hotel that's yeah. kind of across the street. The events right. part of their events were actually across the street this time, so they've expanded to the point where the Ramadas too small for Yeah, them. they're going to have to maybe find a bigger venue. But where? It's like if you take it to like uh, Council Bluffs well, where they do Okama. The Mac Center though, that's that's ideal for commercial cons, for mm -hmm. vendor cons, but for what Nebcon does, that's not true. so much. And yeah. the hotels aren't really connected. Uh, and that's part of the experience a lot. I don't personally like the the ho the uh, the room parties. Uh, they're just not my thing. But a lot of people go for the room parties, so, you know, we've got to have that. Well, listen, oh, Linda's got her little uh, animated uh, parrot that she got from TeslaCon from the vendor room. She's Does been he playing say with it the whole time. She has no, been? he just squeaks and eats. So happy. Just like a real parrot, squeaks and eats. <laughs> well, listen, um, poops. I think we're over time here, and... Um, it's time to uh, bid our audience adieu, and uh, thank you all for joining us for another episode of Galactic Driftwood. Uh, next time, we're going to have a really fascinating discussion, and uh, by the time we have About the show... time we had one of those. <laughs> by the time the show airs, we'll have figured out what that's going to be. Yeah, don't know what it'll be, but it's going to be great. But we had plans for this show, and none of them came true. So no. it's like, yes. And that's fine. That's great. Yeah. So it's the journey, yeah, not the destination. It is. Well, we can always hold them over for next time. Yes, we can. Yeah, thanks to uh, to Linda and Jenna. Very much. Yes, thank you very much for coming. Today. We'd love to have you uh, guys. Yes. Hopefully, you'll come back. Oh yeah. All right. I and heard there's Scooby snacks. Yes. <laughs> we'll have those after. And uh, Seth. His name is Seth. Thank you, Seth. Seth. Yes. Yes. This is your chance for your little ah, closing. Uh, ever, remember to like, subscribe, follow us on YouTube, Apple, uh, Stitcher, uh, Twitcher, Spotify. Spotify. Twitcher. Uh, <laughs> we're basically, we're basically everywhere they want to be. Like, subscribe. If you like us, leave a review. That'll help us out. Yeah. Uh, tell us it, we suck. Tell us we don't. Whatever. We'd like to hear from you. T right. Tell a friend. Tell all your friends. Send them to us. All right. For... Scientific You will be a similar Resistance is futile. All right. Well, thank you all, and uh, we'll see you next time. I'm Bill. I'm John. I'm Charles. I'm Audie. I'm Seth. I'm Jenna. I'm Linda. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.